You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio. Honest conversations, love notes, and strategies to grow a business while building a life grounded in deep integrity. I'm Megan Hale, integrity expert, bringing mindset and energetic wisdom to help you show up braver, go all in, and expand into your fullest expression. Let's do this. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio. I'm your host, Megan Hale, business mentor and leadership coach. And around here, we talk about expanding your impact and increasing your revenue as two potent ways to operate from your deepest integrity. And this week, we are diving into how we actually infuse more impact into every layer of our businesses. I am so excited to welcome you into this conversation. Today, I am joined by Erica Corday, an entrepreneur, coach and consultant who is dedicated to expanding how multicultural professionals, managers, lawyers, coaches, and creative small business owners interact with the world through the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion. This DEI conversation is such a big one, which is why I really want to get your wheels turning for how you can start leveraging your business and your platform to create more change no matter what phase of business you are in. As I mentioned in episode 51, the power of money, which P.S., if you have not tuned in, definitely go have a listen as we talk about what's really keeping you from stepping into more earning. But in that episode, I started sharing a few big shifts that have been happening over here at Wild and Holy Headquarters, aka my soul, these past two years, especially in regards to seeing the opportunity we have as business owners to leverage our platforms for more awareness and change. So if you're new to me, first of all, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. But just to catch you up, I think that it is incredibly important that our businesses are an extension of our values. And for the most part, we might think of this concept in terms of what we choose to be vocal about, what we choose to take a stand on, what organizations we choose to publicly support, and so on, right? And no doubt, these things are super important. We have such massive opportunity to use our platforms to raise awareness for causes we care about. And if you follow me on social, you know that's a big way of how I continue to challenge myself to use mine. But today, I want to talk about some other ways you can also use your business to love the world forward because chances are you're probably overlooking some subtle shifts that can have a huge impact on serving a more diverse audience, making your work accessible to more people, creating an inclusive workplace and company culture as you grow, and starting to tackle disparities that can really help others level up, whether that's directly through your business's offerings or ways you choose to give back, create a movement, or put forth energy to create systemic change. So Erica and I are diving into all three pieces of diversity, equity, and inclusion today, what each of these three really are, and how we can start to bring more of this perspective into every layer of our businesses for more impact. I'm so excited to dive in. There were so many things that I loved about this conversation, especially as Erica talked about the diversity of diversity, which I don't hear nearly enough people talking about. This is so good. Plus, one simple question that you can ask yourself to get you thinking in terms of more equity. For me personally, equity is 
the more complex piece of this whole DEI conversation. But this one question that Erica shares, I literally wrote down like five things <laughs> as we were talking. So seriously, make sure you have a pen and paper handy to write down your immediate answers from this one question. I cannot wait to see what comes up for you. But the thing that I think I love the most is when she dove into inclusion and the three pillars we must focus on in both life and business to create an environment that builds a longer table versus an exclusive one. As you know, this is a really big value of mine. I truly believe our businesses can be vehicles of social change if we start getting curious, think a little bigger, and stay in the room for those often hard yet aligned actions that our leadership needs us to take, our own personal leadership, right? So we can be who we're here to be. Lastly, I want you to make sure you stay tuned for how you can work with Erica like I am to infuse more intention into your business. In Q4, Erica and I are working together behind the scenes to really challenge me to create more impact with the decisions that I am making as I go into this next level of business growth. That includes bringing on my first part-time hire, opening my next group program, which I am so excited about. You guys, it's going to be so good. How I refine my company's statement with this next level of growth, how even going through a rebrand, all the questions that I need to be asking myself, right, to bring more DEI into all of those decisions, which I'm going to be talking about soon and giving you a behind the scenes look at, which I know that you're going to love. I've never taken people behind the scenes behind a rebrand process before, so I know you'll get a lot out of that. But also like really having Erica in my corner to help me grow as a leader who is intentionally building a longer table and leveraging my business's platform for change. So definitely go and check out all of her links down in the show notes for how you can work with her and just have her brain and her wisdom on your business. However, one of the things that I want to point out, <laughs> I think that it is always the right time to talk about DEI, always on forever. However, if you are in the process of putting something new out into the world, a new offering, a new project, a new message, a rebrand, or you're getting ready to invest in someone, a new coach, bringing somebody new onto your team, this is an incredibly potent time to challenge yourself to get your wheels turning with how you can have even more impact with each of those decisions that you are going to make. So we have such massive opportunity at every stage to start bringing more attention to who we're being and what we're building. The tools Erica lines out today are so major. So get your pen and paper handy, friends, because this is one powerful conversation. Let's dive in. Welcome to Wild and Holy Radio, everyone. I have a special guest with me today who I have been so eager to bring on. Erica and I have known each other for, gosh, a few solid months now, and I'm so excited to be bringing your wisdom to the show. Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited too. And I really, I just want to say a personal thank you for sharing some of the podcast episodes on Instagram. It just makes my heart so happy to know that some of the things that we're talking about on the show are resonating and then you're sharing them with your people. So thank you. That means so much to me. You're welcome. You're doing, you're doing things that need to be seen. So you got that. <laughs> I so appreciate you. And you are too. And that's why I really wanted to bring you on the show because I think that the work that you're doing in the world is so important. It's so needed. And I would love for us to start this conversation by you just sharing in your own words, the work that you are doing in the world and the help that you're trying to provide to others. 
I can do that. So my name is Erica Corday. I am a coaching consultant and the lens that I do that through is uh, through DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And diversity is for me about the diversity of diversity. A lot of times people will say or hear that term and it comes up as, oh, it's about um, black or white or male or female. And Mm -hmm. diversity to me comes down to a large number of things that is is pretty limitless. It's it's age, it's sexual orientation, it's skin color, it's um, race, it's religion. It's, it's, It's so much more than just this is a black woman that feels as though she can't get a job that she's competing against a white man like this. It's so much bigger than that. So I like to open people's um, kind of concepts of what is possible up with the diversity of diversity and the way that you think and are willing to um, consider what is outside of what is your normal, Mm -hmm. I think is extremely important. And Mm -hmm. equity is, um, the simplest way that I can explain it is the analogy of three people standing in front of a fence, short person, medium height person, tall person. Mm. Tall person can see, short person can't. Give everybody the same height box, guess what? We're still not there. Mm-hmm. Give everybody a box that gets them to the point they can see, we're even better. Better mm-hmm. point, take the fence down. Nobody Ooh. has to worry about it. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> I'm the short person too. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's an, it's an easy way to, because sometimes people are like, I don't understand what that means. And that is like, oh, got yes. it. Yes. Yes. I love that. And, and inclusion is being able to feel as though you're not only invited in the room, you have a seat at the table, your voice is heard and is a part of the decision-making process. You're able to be there and to contribute, to feel as though you are seen, uh, that you can see others that you are a part of the process. So these things coming together create something that I feel as though it's very important to address because this just so happens to be a a way of life for me. I didn't realize it until I started um, Erica Corday, which is my second business, that this is how I move through life. This is how I raise my children. This is how I connect with people. This is, you know, how I run my beauty business. Mm -hmm. This is the context with which I use to navigate this thing called life. And I think it's important to give people an opportunity to step outside of how they've been conditioned. What they've been told is possible because Mm -hmm. it is possible for things to be different, but you have to be willing to be different. Oh, Yes, that is a quotable right there for sure. And one of the things that I want to add to this conversation, you know, I'm a, we're in part of a membership community together and you ask such powerful questions. And I'll never forget one of the first questions that you asked after I joined this community was really around this concept of diversity. And you really just opened my eyes so much to what diversity really means. Because one of the questions that you asked in that comment thread was, how are you making offerings or in your business more accessible to different socioeconomic statuses? And it was like, whoa, that's a really, really big question because I think in the coaching industry, most definitely, like it's so easy to price people out and to not have options that are available for people and in lots of different levels of income. And that was a really big question that I'm still sitting with, honestly, of how do I make my offerings more um, diverse 
to go around race, gender, sexual orientation, and socioeconomic status. I think Wild and Holy does a pretty good job of talking to lots of different religions, of like really creating a safe space for lots of different philosophies and beliefs to be present. But that socioeconomic status question was just, ooh, that's a big one that I really need to sit with. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people consider. So the fact that you did and you picked that up, that's a huge thing. And I appreciate you for that because some people could easily just, oh, yeah, I, I do that. Or, you know, no, I know who I'm talking to and I know how much money they need to have. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's very important to acknowledge that within um, the profession of coaching, it already can have for lack of a better term, an elitist piece to it, if you're not careful, Mm -hmm. because there's, you know, how much money do you have to pay for it? But also, do you have access to to it? Do you know that it exists? Do you Mm -hmm. feel as though it's it's real? So some people, I remember years ago, I remember watching this show and the woman was like, I'm a life coach. And I was like, a life coach? You need somebody to coach you through life? What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) It seems so strange to me. And of course, it's like, I live in this big artsy house and I need someone to tell me what to do. And I was just like, I don't know what that means. I'm confused. And as I've gone on my own journey, it's like, oh, I get it now. But I know that there's a lot of people that don't. And I think there's a lot of people that as a whole don't even have the perspective or the opportunity to consider that coaching is a part of the whole of mental health. Oh my gosh. And for you to be someone with that type of a background, I mean, you understand that and you get that. And a lot of people just think, oh, you know, I'm going to a therapist. I'm just sitting on somebody's couch talking, or, oh, I'm going to a coach. You're just telling me what to do, or you're asking me questions. Like, that's so not what it is. And I think it's important to put that other element to it and to, demonstrate what it is, what it can do, and that it's for everyone. Yeah. And I think when we really start to tie this into the money conversation, like I see so many asinine things happening in the online space around, especially around money and money mindset. So like when somebody says, I literally cannot afford that, it's like, well, you just don't want it bad enough. I'm like, Mm -mm. I'm sorry, Mm -mm. what? Like, (laughs) you know how much shame is in that? Like, (laughs) don't do that. Right, right. And on one hand, I do understand, like, there are some times when something does not hold the value. So this is a very different conversation. There are times when a price point does not hold the value for you. And so you are not willing to pay a certain price for a certain thing, right? Yes. And you say, I'm not going to pay for that. I can't really afford to just you know, spend this money on something that I really don't see the value in versus Mm -hmm. being in the very real situation of literally not having extra funds to invest in said program or said offering. And when I see money shaming happen, it's just, oh, it fires me up because that is like the worst thing that you can do, I think as a business owner, but also as a human to shame somebody for their financial situation. And let's be real. You don't know anybody's financial situation except your own. Agreed. And, and honestly, I think there needs to be more conversation with people around whatever their tactics are mm-hmm. with how they're selling or promoting themselves because shame should not be a motivator. <sighs> shame should not be, you know, I'm going to make you feel as though if you don't do this, you are somehow not enough or lesser than because you don't do this. And I find that there's a lot of people 
in the line of work that I'm in where it's like, this is what's going to get you out of it. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some times where like, for lack of a better way of putting it, someone needs to shake the shit out of you for a second. Right. Like you need a wake <laughs> <Yes>. up call. <laughs> and, but I think there's a difference between like, girl, get yourself together yeah. versus, oh my gosh, how, why did you not know that? What do you mean? You're a terrible person. You're mm-hmm. a racist because you didn't know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, how is this helping? How is yeah. this making someone want to be better? How is this making someone see the value in people and communities that are somehow given to you that they're lesser than this doesn't help this is perpetuating nonsense and in a lot of cases unfortunately the socioeconomic thing can come into it which is now another level of it so now you've just layered on the shame and the not enough and the oh i'm so much better oh my god please stop it and i think that there is a really big you know, misunderstanding around this too. And I, I definitely see it and more um, coming from more privileged viewpoints in which somebody who is in a lower socioeconomic situation, that it's like, it's somehow their fault. And two, that it should just be so simple for them to elevate themselves out of it. When, when you really start to peel back all the layers, like there are a lot of, of obstacles for somebody to actually just take simple steps. Like there are not as many resources available, for instance, or not as many means or, or support uh, t- to help people take those big steps. And so I think a lot of times privilege will give the perspective of like, well, it's just so simple or this is your doing or this is your fault. And it's like, there are so many different layers at play here that you are like not even considering. And so that's why I think it's so important to be having these DEI conversations exclusively because it's really important to think about all of the things that are, are at work, whether you are aware of them or not. There's a lot of things functioning in the background that are creating people's realities. And that's one of the things that, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you come on is to really talk about how we can be more aware and more awake and to be more mindful of privilege and know that just like our current situation does not determine what the reality is for everybody else. No. And the funny part is, is sometimes if I could just get people to like stop and, and, and think, If I just inserted the word just into my statement, I might need to think about that. Well, why don't you just go get a job? Oh, I mean, why don't you just go talk to one of your friends? I mean, I'm sure they know someone. Mm -hmm. I mean, why don't you just pay for it? I mean, it's not that much. Mm -hmm. (gasps) Take that. When you say just, it is a good chance that there is something in there that you have not thought about being outside of what you take for granted or what you think somebody else should take for granted and that word should will get you in trouble as well oh my gosh i have never had anybody give me a red flag like that that is so powerful thank you so much for that like because that's just so easy to put in your language and that's a really good indicator of like check yourself whatever Mm -hmm. you're about to say after that just take a moment and really feel into the truth of that so oh that's so good okay so i want to talk about equity for a moment because you gave a really good metaphor of just taking away the fence of giving people boxes that really kind of equal our height which i would so appreciate as a short person (laughs) but really this other concept of just get rid of the fence and i would love to talk about what that looks like in action so let's take for example you have someone that owns a business and 
let's say tech. I think tech is a good one because you don't see as many women in tech Mm -hmm. and it can feel like a very homogenous area. So if you have a woman that has successfully built a, a business and a brand in the tech industry and she says, you know what, what is it that I can do to shift this? And she says, I know that there are communities around me that are, they don't have the same level of access mm-hmm. when it comes to the education mm-hmm. and just knowing that it even exists. So I'm going to go into these areas and I'm going to every year either, you know, give five scholarships for minority women and whatever that minority is. So whether that's an income thing, whether that's race, um, if you just want to say women, period, and Mm -hmm. that's where you want to do it. And this is how you are facilitating this. And you can say, you know, this is, this happens when you then come out and you work for me for two years, or you work for one of these companies within my network for two years, or you go into high schools nearby and you are mentoring people Mm -hmm. that don't know that, hey, I can see myself in these types of places. And a lot of times people don't recognize how important that is because if you are used to seeing yourself in certain positions and you take that for granted, use the Barbie doll analogy. If you grew up with dolls that look like you, you never consider that someone else doesn't have dolls that look like them. If you're used to seeing powerful women that look like you, you don't consider that maybe there's women that don't regularly see powerful women that look like you. So it can be difficult sometimes to consider this is possible for me because I can't connect what I don't see. Yes. And so when you put yourself in this position of saying, this is the benefit that I have that I can share. This is the privilege or the platform that I want to utilize for good. I want to be the change that I want to see. This is how I can begin to facilitate someone who may not have had this opportunity or this access or this chance to being able to do something different, to to starting a chain reaction. Because just like the butterfly effect, every little thing Mm -hmm. will begin to kind of have this domino effect. And so when you say, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to give back proceeds of, um, you know, my sales to a cause that I feel very strong about. Yes. And part of that is inspiring other people to do the same by sharing it. I see people that do it, but they don't share it. And I think that it's important that when you do these things, particularly when you're keeping it it, um, more close or local, which I have a passion about doing that and fixing the things in your own backyard before you mm-hmm. go digging in somebody else's. Yeah. Um, so when you do that and you're sharing that, you're empowering other people to think what this is what I could do or somebody does care. This can look different, which is why it's so important to do these things in the light yes. and not in the dark. And I'm just going to be quiet. And nobody's going to ever know that. That's yeah. Not. Yeah. And I, oh, there's so much to be said about this. So one of the things that I love that you're talking about is this is really talking about how to increase your impact in the world through your business platform, which I think is so important. Like it not only gives you a richer meaning for why you're doing what you're doing, but you're really able to leverage the success that you're able to create to make more systemic change that benefits other people. But the other thing that I think is even more important and what you're just sharing is that there's really this mindset shift that happens in which you're, you are actively looking for the disparities, right? And like going back to the metaphor of, you know, three people being at different heights, you know, the tall person is not like, maybe they'll notice that I'm down there and can't see over the fence, right? Like maybe they won't, 
But I think oftentimes it's like, well, it's the short person's job to go and find the box that helps them elevate. Right. But what Mm -hmm. a shift it would make if somebody else noticed and went and got a box for me and said, Hey, I noticed that you couldn't see. How about I, how about you stand on this box and you know, so you can have equal viewpoints. Right. And also this concept of eliminating the fence. I love that you are talking about, look at where the disparities are and then go and do something about it. Like if you realize that there's a boundary, what can you do to offer a solution to eliminate that or to minimize it? And I think that that's a very, like, it's a constructive way of thinking. It's thinking bigger than just on your bottom line or just your business. It's really looking at like your community. Like what's the bigger change that you want to make in the world. And I also love the way that you're like, I'm sorry, I have so many things that I'm loving, but you're like, (laughs) talk about how you're giving, like talk about it. And I think that a lot of women are not talking about how they're giving. And it doesn't have to be just money. It can be like how they're uh, donating their time or their energy or their emotions or their gifts, right? And the more we're talking about how we're giving back, that also inspires other people to do the same. Like you're so on point with this. I love it. And it's funny because sometimes you don't even realize how small things can make a big impact. So I was looking at some of the, and it's like kind of a random example, but it's a great example. I was looking at some of the um, local networking places around me and I happened to randomly hop upon this one that was a networking place designed for working mothers with daycare. I was like, holy crap, why has nobody done this before? That is so good. That's a huge thing. Women are, I mean, the amount that we contribute to the growing pool of entrepreneurs and business owners, and yet nobody stops to think, oh, you know, there might be some, and I mean, it, it could be a dad too, so I'm not even going to take that away, but more often than not, it is the moms, right, right. you know, well, you know, she might have a business too, and it wouldn't hurt for her to maybe have 45 minutes to get on that call without somebody like, mommy, 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 because that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, it would actually make it possible for her to have the call. <laughs> But that's a perfect example of like, how can you eliminate the limitations, right? Like not having childcare is a huge limitation that prevents women from doing their best work. I I can tell you from experience, like I have tried to do work while my children are here and there's no way that you're getting the best of me because like my mind is split. I'm trying to make sure a kid doesn't bump their head or fall or hit their brother, you know, whatever that looks like. (laughs) All the things. And so having that resource is just so huge. And so maybe a really good question to ask yourself as you're exploring equity in your business and even in your life is, you know, what are some ways that I can offer solutions that do not currently exist? Or how can I minimize limitations here for the people that I care about or even just my community at large? I mean, do you have some good prompts for that to get us thinking? Hmm. I think... I think one of the first things to, to kind of consider is, you know, what are, what are two things that I take for granted? I won't let you just do one and I won't make you do three. What are two things you take for granted? <laughs> <laughs> and like, one could simply just be, well, I have a nanny that comes two days a week, so I know that I can get stuff done. Yeah. Somebody else may not have that. So that's something to be addressed. Yeah. You know, oh, I know that um, I work virtually. So if I end up having a kid that gets sick, it's easy. Like I, I had an assembly at my kid's school yesterday mm-hmm. and it was at 2.30 on a Tuesday. Oh yeah. But 
which is like, okay, you are now excluding how many people that can't make it. And I have the privilege that I could rearrange my schedule. Now I was running to get there, but I made it. Yeah. And everyone can. And so being able to acknowledge that then puts you in a place of saying, okay, is there something that I can do that could shift that? Is there some type of, of support or access or, you know, simplifying thing that could help with something, you know, whether it's, you know, there, there's people that want to hop on these calls, but they can't afford all the things that they need, whether that's like you know, Zoom or Acuity taking the calls, all of these different things. You know, if you are able to see these things and maybe say, I'm going to do a giveaway this month and I'm going to give memberships of whatever this is to three people. Or, you know, there's all types of things that you can do, but just being able to say, hmm, I take that for granted gives you a place to say, yeah, there's that. Or, oh yeah, um, I I signed up for my mastermind and it's, it's 15 grand, but it's fine. It's no big deal. Okay. Can everyone say that? Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's a number of places that maybe shifts could be done collaborations could happen to create some access for people or possibilities that they didn't have. But I think before you can do anything, I think awareness has to happen. So you have to first acknowledge where those disparities are. Where does somebody not have that box? Where is somebody staring at the fence and doing their best to dig a hole in this fence to see as much as they possibly can? Oh my God. Okay. So that question is so two things that I take for granted. I wrote down three, like just while we were talking <laughs> and because it, I mean, it just gets you thinking like, you know, I have free healthcare for instance, cause I'm married to active duty military. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, a plethora of social and emotional tools and skills because I was able to go to grad school. Right. Um, and, and focus in psychology. Um, I had a lot of support when I was going through a deployment with my husband of like people sending me meals because there was like a whole group of women who were supporting me. And so what I think oftentimes where we get in our head about this is like, well, I can't make that big of a difference. And let me tell you, like just being able to send a single mother a dinner like just once, just one night where she doesn't have to do the decision-making and all the mental load of figuring out what you're going to make for dinner for your family that night. And then having to make it after a long day, like that in and of itself can make such an impact for somebody of feeling like supported and loved and seen. Like I think single moms are just, I mean, they're just amazing to me. And so just doing something simple like that, right? Like all, there's so many things that you could generate just from asking yourself that one question, like what are the things that I take for granted? Like that's so huge. It, oh, that's yes. Good. So thank good. you for that. Thank you. Cause You're I think welcome. that that's just so helpful and actionable. <clears throat> and then I think the next step is to like, once you have the clarity, then do something with it. Right. So yeah, because it doesn't do you any good to have all this awareness and, Oh, I see it. Mm-hmm. And then you just leave it there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think some things like with the social and emotional tools, for instance, I talked about this on um, the power of money episode 51, where I was talking about really wanting to support organizations who are putting social and emotional learning in schools, like at a younger age for, because it's so, it blows my mind now, like thinking back is like, 
we didn't learn how to have healthy relationships in schools. We didn't talk about like what it really means to be happy. We didn't talk about how to be our own best friend. We didn't talk about being aware of our thoughts and the impact that it has on how we view. Like we did not talk about any of those things um, growing up in the traditional educational system. Like what would happen if we did? And there's actually organizations who are working on, you know, making that more accessible to, to kids. And I just think like what an impact that would make on our world. If we were able to give the tools that I learned in grad school to kids who are like seven, eight, nine years old, you know? So obviously I'm doing my due diligence of, of looking into those organizations. And I think the other thing that comes up for me around this, especially when we start talking about, um, I think even more important topics like white privilege and, and dismantling systems of oppression is that there's this sense of urgency to do something, to get active, and then also needing to hold this due diligence of not doing it right, but looking for the people who have the receipts and which you want to support, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I found that to be a little challenging for, for me, especially um, in the beginning stages of holding both of those things at the same time. But I think just knowing that you can make a, like a small impact, a small shift can lead to really massive changes for people and to not hold yourself back before we're earning a certain amount before we're ready to give, for instance. I'm a firm believer in imperfect action because mm -hmm. I think when you wait for perfect action, Per perfect just does not exist. And no. you are somehow holding out for this imaginary point that you're just never going to reach. And so therefore you never embark on the journey. Mm -hmm. and, and more often than not, the people that you are looking to support, if it is, for example, imperfect allyship, they don't have the luxury of waiting right. for you to finally say, you know, oh, I'm going to do something now. Yeah. And I think just being able to say, well, I'm not ready yet, or I'm, I, I think I'm going to do this first mm -hmm. is a privilege in itself. Totally. Totally. And I think the other thing is too, that took me a while to learn is that there's different ways of being an ally. Um, like there's all, all, all different kinds of ways. I mean, there's getting involved in your local community and, and, and putting your like feet on the ground. There are ways of being vocal with just raising awareness of the things that are going on and the systems of oppression. Like that's something we can all do, right? Like it doesn't cost any money. It doesn't cost any time. Like it's just going to cost, cost you maybe some discomfort as, cause we're going to talk about that in just a second, <laughs> uh -huh. but there's all these different ways that you can do something. And I think it's just starting where you are. It, it absolutely is. And I think that the ways that you can make that impact are smaller than what sometimes people realize. So if you're online and you are like, okay, I want to try to find some new people to expand my network with, mm -hmm. begin to say, I want to find some people that don't look and behave as I do. Let yes. me step out of that. You know, as somebody like me, I mean, I have kids and my, you know, my kids are biracial. So we have, you know, conversation around race. And for me, it's important to show them that a black woman can own a business. And that seems like mm -hmm. a small thing, but I didn't see that much growing up. Yeah. I didn't see that much. So sometimes just being and, and letting that be a demonstration of what's possible and being open. I, I think that's, that's a big part of things yeah. because sometimes people are like, Oh, I'm not ready to go out here and do habitat for humanity and this, that, and the other. And it's like, 
can you maybe go out of your school district 10 minutes away and maybe just volunteer? Yeah. Maybe drop the school supplies off there. Yes. Like there's other things that you can do that yeah. don't have to be huge. And everybody has the choice. Is it your time? Is it your money? You know, what is it that you want to do to be supportive? There's more than one way to be supportive. And sometimes just your energy yeah. is, is a part of that. And so when you use your voice, and, you know, some of the rooms, if you're in a, in a like in a, in a platform online and you can see that someone is struggling, lend support. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I really know how this works. Are you open to me supporting you with this? Are you willing to receive the help? Because I do think it's important to make sure that you don't step into the place of, you know, what can be white saviorism sometimes if you're like, hey, wait a minute, I can fix all your problems. Don't do that either. Yeah. So you want to be careful that you're you're giving it where it is requested, where, you know, someone is open to that. Yes. But I think it does not have to be this big thing. And there is zero excuse to yes. wait. Waiting is simply you being afraid. And it is absolutely okay and advocated for you yes. to be afraid and still do the thing. Yes. And I mean, and I think that it's, it's such a huge value to give yourself the permission to do it wrong. And, and I think it's, you know, it's hard because white saviorism is like, it's something that is super real. White centering is something that is super real. White fragility, mm-hmm. white tears. I mean, these are all things that like when you first start learning about them as a white person, you're like, that doesn't happen. And then you start to see it and you're like, oh my gosh, it totally happens. And I have even been complicit in it. But I think the fear of, I don't want to, to show up in white saviorism might prevent you from offering help, offering support, like you'd be willing to get it wrong. Right. And I think if, as long as you are aware of, of the concept of white saviorism, you check yourself, you tune in, you're like, Hey, is this coming from a pure intention? Like that's the best that you can do. And like, that's all that anybody can ever expect for you is to do the best you can and to come from this place of, of awareness, of respect, and this willingness to get it wrong. And it, you're 150% right. And I wish more people understood that concept because honestly, it's just like anything else in life. A baby doesn't, you know, and, and, and like a toddler is not going to say, yeah, you know, this whole walking thing, I'm going to fall. So I'm just not going to do this. I'm, I'm just going to hang out here and crawl. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how that happens. They're going to get up. They're going to walk. They're going to fall. They're going to yeah. be walking really well. And they're still going to fall. I'm an adult. Guess what? It still yeah. happens. Yes. It doesn't like you're not immune. You never get to the, that quote unquote place of like, oh, now I'm good. Like that just doesn't happen. And so this is no different than any other place in life. When you're learning how to cook, when you're running a business, you know, when you're in relationships with people, intimate, family, you know, familial, otherwise, it doesn't matter. There are points when you're going to eat some Nike. It's going to happen. <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And quite honestly, Erica, like the, the moments where I have learned the most have been when I've screwed up. Yes. Because it's offered me an opportunity to look at my own unconscious biases. It's, it's offered me opportunity to look at how um, the, like my intention had a completely different impact than it was originally intended. Right. And so it's, it offers you so much learning experience, but you have to be willing to, to screw up. And there is always 
I think a gift in that if you're willing to be open to it. And I think what happens a lot of the times, especially with white people is that we are afraid of being criticized, of being judged, of being labeled as racist. And if you are a white person, like you are racist, like we're all racist. Like it's, it's systemic. It's in everything. Like the, the goal is to like not be not racist. Cause I literally don't think that's possible. What I think is possible is to be anti-racist and that is work. That's going to be lifelong. Like you're never going to be done with it. Like you don't get to this place where like, I'm good now. Like I figured it out. Like it's a way that you're approaching your life. And I think that when I started thinking about it that way, it just gave me a lot more permission to be human and understanding that I am living within a larger system that is so layered, so nuanced, and I'm trying to navigate how to live in this world in a way where I'm more aware and sensitive and awakened to other people's realities that are different than my own. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's, it's just so easy for people to miss the concept of, you know, because I can't do it perfectly, I'm just not going to do it at all, which is just asinine. Like that makes no sense. And, you know, having preconceived notions, like we all have them. Yes. And it's not the having them. Humans are judgy people. Like that's right. We all have judgments. Absolutely. And to, to act as if you don't have them, that doesn't make you better. What, what puts you in a place of being more evolved is to say, I know I have them. I acknowledge them. I observe them when they come up, but I don't let that stop me from being better simply because there's something there that maybe was a learned behavior. I was taught this. It's, it's a part of how society ingrains in you. You are supposed to be. There's so many things that are subconscious that you don't even realize that you didn't technically opt into. It's like a bad email list. You're like, I just want to get off of it. I said unsubscribe. (laughs) And you keep coming back. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, and oh my gosh, like, don't, don't we all know that feeling of like, I feel like I've, I've done the thing to eliminate this part of my life. And then there's another layer that comes up for you to heal, right? Like that is the process of, of the human existence of, continuing to do your own inner work. And it's not just around like DEI, it's just, it's around all things human, right? There's, I can't tell you how many times I've had a client say to me, well, I thought that I had healed this. And it's like, you did. And now there's more available for you to heal in a deeper way. Like this is how it works with, with racism, especially too. It's like you were aware of this one way in which it was showing up and then it shows up in this other way. And it doesn't mean you didn't do the work right in the first place. It's like, there's just more available for you to be aware of now. So it's such a big conversation. And I want to make sure that we get into this inclusion piece um, in the DEI framework, because I think that it's so important. And as we are in the earning series of the podcast, I'm just going to go ahead and bring something big to the table. What I see and hear in the background is people being really afraid of being more inclusive, of calling out systems of oppression because of how it's going to impact their bottom line, that they are going to, you know, be seen as a certain way. They're going to piss people off. They're going to alienate people, whatever that is. And so they are putting their privilege above other people's well-being and the inclusion, all for the sake of not having their bottom line messed with. And I feel like we need to have a conversation about this. <laughs> I want to so, have that conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's funny. A, a really great friend of mine, she made this point that it blew my mind. And she was 100% right. She's like, so much of 
the things that we're dealing with when it comes to racism, it's rooted in scarcity. Mm. And exactly what you're talking about, it's scarcity because it's, oh, well, if I do this, then there won't be enough people that still think that what I have is good enough to pay me. Or if I start doing something, somehow it's going to divert money to something else and I won't have enough. Somehow there's this lie that if I do the thing, there won't be enough of whatever it is that I'm aspiring to or working for, for me and fill in the blank, whoever fill in the blank is. So therefore I have to keep it all for myself. Mm -hmm. That's a lie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. It is so not true. And the whole point of inclusion is for everyone to feel as though their voice is being heard, they're being seen, they're invited in the room, they are able to sit at the table, be a part of the decision making, being able to be a part of this conduit of actually making things happen, and they are able to be a part of things in a way that says that this was created with you in mind and not just, oh yeah, you can come too. So good. Okay. Very different. So good. And you know, one of the things that I talked about um, in season one of the podcast is kind of awakening to the reality that I had grown up in a white church and Mm -hmm. having some questions about that as a young girl and being told, well, everyone's, everyone belongs here. Like everybody can come here. And I'm like, there's something different around saying everybody belongs and intentionally inviting people in. And I think that it is a very easy way to spiritually bypass the work of intentionally inviting people in by just saying, oh yeah, I mean, it's open to everybody. Um, How are you creating that? Like, how are you communicating that? Because it's not just like, yeah, it'd be cool if anybody came versus intentionally making sure people feel comfortable, people feel safe, right? And that there is a a visual representation, like, yes, (laughs) I do. I, I can see myself here. I know that I have a seat at that table because I, I know that I'm invited into that space. I know that my voice is going to, that is so much different and it takes a totally different level of work in order to create spaces like that. I think there's the visual representation, there's the verbal representation, and then there's, there's the emotional component of that because so the vision, the visual is obviously being able to like, okay, you're, you're building a conference. You need mm-hmm. to be able to put up a photo with the people that are in it and it needs to show diversity. Yes. It needs to show the spectrum of who it is that you are speaking to. Who do you want to work with? And yes. so being able to see yourself represented there and that, oh yeah, I can actually be in this space. Because we've all had spaces where you're like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. And you can feel it. It doesn't have to be said, but you know. And so the visual is the piece that you can look and see, okay, I am welcome here. Yeah. The verbal part is you having messaging that talks about inclusion, that Mm -hmm. talks about diversity. It talks about how you give back, where you give back. It talks about your ethics. It takes into consideration what disparities um, look like within the community of clients that you are looking to serve, how it is that you are offering to support them and that not being a limitation for them. And the emotional part is them feeling welcome because you can have all the rest. If you don't feel comfortable there, it does not work. It just simply doesn't. And as someone that I have full blown gone through things Mm -hmm. and seen things and been like, what, in the ham sandwich is happening right now. 
I know when I don't feel welcome somewhere. I, yeah. I mean, and, and it's funny because, I mean, my kids are five and seven and they can feel things. My son of one course. time, it was like last year, I think. So he was 86. He was like, I'm really glad that we didn't live back in like that time. And he just said that time because he didn't have to give a point of reference. He's six. Yeah. But he's like, I wish I'm glad we didn't live back in that time because mm-hmm. then that would mean you, me and daddy and Madeline, we couldn't all live in the same house together. Yeah. Because he understood what that meant. Right. And so people feel and understand more than what I think sometimes people give them credit for. So you can check all these blocks if you want to. If you say, yeah, 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 women can come here. We want women to be here. And then they walk in and they see all these white men Mm -hmm. and they can feel that it's predatory or that they are... They are a second-class citizen in that space. Then they're going to be like, oh, I'm out. I'm done. Well, let's just be real. Like if I see a picture of a conference and it's all men and I, and even if I like opt to go, right, I'm already like armoring myself for how I'm going to need to present myself in that situation to maintain my safety and integrity. Like, and that's even just being around like men, right? And so I think that's such an easy example of like, think about Like if you don't see people who look like you, like there's a sense of emotional armoring that's going to come up. Like there has to be, like that's just how human nature works, right? Absolutely. And I think that again, if you have the privilege of not really having to step into that as much, then you don't consider all of the ways that that can come up. So if let's say you were a a black female that identified as non-binary Mm -hmm. Um, you maybe had been, maybe you're a war veteran and somehow you had a disability because of it. And you also are over 55. Mm -hmm. How many different things does this individual now have to keep in mind when they are choosing what works for them? And when these things aren't a part of your normal, you don't consider it. And so therefore you can inadvertently be tone deaf mm-hmm. when you don't check in and yeah. the tone deaf is not good, but the tone deaf is the problem. If somebody calls you on it and then you're like, oh, I'm not tone deaf. And then you get defensive because now you feel as though I have to somehow justify this because I can't simply be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, there's so many different ways that we can do this. The way that I'm thinking about it right now is just doing some like container building, um, like for people who come into my programs. And it's really just me sharing the expectations that I have of my community members that we are going to enter into this space from a place of empathy and curiosity, um, that the things that we stand for are our equality and diversity and inclusion. The things that we stand against are upholding systems of, of oppression, whether consciously or unconsciously. And if things are, do come up during our journey together, you know, I'm going to invite you to look at some things and I want you to be um, open and willing to learn. And it's not about you getting it wrong or getting it right. It's just about learning how to be in space that is safer for everybody. Right. And I think that just doing some simple container building like that can really set the tone for how a community is going to operate in the future. And you're also kind of setting the expectation of like, Hey, I don't expect you to get all this right. And I'm also going to offer some, some, 
maybe some reflection points for you um, if something comes out the wrong way. And then we're human, like sometimes things come out the wrong way. The thing that I think is most important though is to be willing to lose clients, to be willing to lose out on money to, for the sake of the safety of the group. And I have definitely had that happen in some of my programs. Um, I've had people leave um, because they weren't ready to do their work, right, in that area. And that's, I, I don't have any control over somebody else's experience like that, right? But what I think is really important for us to uphold, especially as coaches, therapists, helpers, and healers, is really taking charge of the ethics and the integrity of how we want our spaces to operate and inviting people into them, right? I think a huge chunk of that is leadership yeah. because when you're in a position of setting an example, you're in a place of being able to facilitate people's growth and expansion. This is a part of the responsibility that you take on in doing that. Mm -hmm. And to me, part of that responsibility is not only having these questions, but not bringing um, erasure into it if that happens, because I've seen times where a challenging thing will come up, whether it's around race or just something that is not inclusive as a mm -hmm. whole. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you don't erase it because you haven't done anything about the thought process. You haven't done anything about the energy that was left behind in that space where you simply just put your eraser in there and got rid of it and just swept the ashes away. Like, oh no, we're good now. That doesn't do it. So I think that very often people have to remind themselves that they are strong enough to have these conversations yes. and to engage people in those. Because when that comes up, but you never stop to say, where did this come from? Why right. was this somehow, you know, thought to be acceptable or okay? Or, mm -hmm. you know, what is it that you just simply didn't consider yeah. about how this could land? Because yes. there's the whole, you know, impact versus intent thing. Right. And so you have to have those conversations and people are way too afraid to have the conversations because they don't know where it's going to go. They can't control it. They don't want to be wrong. And that doesn't help. And so yeah. if you are willing to be in that place of, okay, this is what happened. Let's talk about this because if it came up, then that means that somehow this is something that needs to be, you know, discussed. It was delivered to us for a reason. Let's address it. Don't just push it away. And don't think that, you know, oh, well, I mean, I, I, I just, I didn't mean it that way. I mean, I'm not a racist or anything. Right. When you have to even say that, then, then we need to have the discussion. <laughs> well, you know, this actually kind of circles back to where we sort of first began of, really, you know, calling people in from a place of non-judgment, of non-shaming, right? Yes. And because I think that oftentimes, like when shame is used to maybe add some reflection or, or correct or whatever is being done in this instance, the shame automatically shuts somebody down and they get defensive, right? And this is just oh, right. basic relationship building tools here. And so I think as, you know, as leaders, we also have a sacred invitation to to not use shame in, in that way of really coming from a place of non-judgment and compassion and empathy and, and human understanding, right? While also holding firm boundaries of what is okay and what isn't. And this is just like, I mean, honestly, when you break it all down, like this is love, like this is, <laughs> this is a way yes. of love of, of having firm boundaries while also keeping somebody in the space to evolve, to awaken, to have more, um, just reflections on how they can do something differently or better or love people better. Like, Oh my gosh, like yes. there's just so much opportunity here. And that's the thing. Like for me, that is part of why 
I do things so differently than I think some people are used to because they're used to being put in a place to where shame, intimidation, these very heavy and or negative, you know, spiral out kind of emotions are used as motivators. And I don't think that that's a motivator. I don't operate that way. Mm -hmm. And I am here to give you the space to ask questions um, so that you feel safe and confident to ask them, yet understand that I am going to challenge you to be brave enough to step up and I'm not going to coddle you. So I don't think that, you know, I don't believe that everything has to be as, as, as I call them, diversity dominatrixes, like, oh, you're a dirty racist. I'm going to put my boot on your neck and tell you how awful you are. Right. I don't know. That's terrible. I don't, I don't want to operate that way. If you are doing something and I need to, I need to issue you a reminder, yes. I, am, I will do that. However, what then happens after I give you that? If I shut you down and I make you then spiral out, I don't think that that's helpful. There may be time that you're like, all right, I have to go sit in the corner for a second, get myself together, lick my wounds because I'm in my feelings. But then I want you to know that you can come back. We can talk about this. And we yes. all have those times where it's like, oh, and, and, and yes, your shame, me, your um, pride gets you. And it's like, I don't talk about this right now. It, it happens. But mm-hmm. then what happens when you kind of can get on the right side of your mind and say, okay, it's a conversation that does need to be had. We do need to address it. And what, you know, what now? Because that's the thing. It's not, you know, oh, you did this. It's what now? So I like being able to hold that space of, you know, you can ask questions. You can get it wrong. I am here to help you to figure out the ways that you can get it right. And you can be the change that you want to see. You can be better. And it's not just about like, I'm going to do all these things. You have to be better. Being is such a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Being allows you to simply exist in a space and to provide support simply because the people around you know mm-hmm. that you are going to stand up for what is right. Yes. And you know, the other thing that I hear kind of in the background of what you're saying too, is like, there's also has to be this space for like healthy, sacred anger. Yes. And that, and I think oftentimes when people have a, an angry response, it's very quick for the other person to get defensive and to even go on the offense and like perceive their anger as shame. And it's a way for them to bypass what's going on. And mm-hmm. I really think that there needs to be more space for healthy, righteous anger in, in these conversations too, and to not take it personally, right? But to really hear the impact that your words or your actions really have, like, turn on your listening ears, like stay curious and stop taking everything so personally because we're never going to get where we need to go as, as a culture, as a human race, if we continue to stay, like take every single thing personally, like, cause it's not really about you at the end of the day. It's about all of us. And we each have to kind of do our part to like check that personalization that happens so quick, so easily. That's what gets us in our feelings, right? Like <laughs> yeah. sense of, the sense of pride. And so being aware of how that's even operating. And even as women, I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this, Erica. I know I can, like anger was never something that was taught was like, okay to really have as a woman. No. And no. so it's like this whole new learning journey of even just learning how to express anger in a way that feels okay and safe and allowed, right? Well, and it's funny because I think that for me, I can see, you know, I can see both sides of it. I can see the side of if I'm working with someone and, you know, they end up in this place of 
anger. And sometimes I definitely feel like, especially within what I do, the anger can come from the fact that I feel like I did something wrong and I'm upset with you because you called me out, but I'm upset with me because I did it. And (laughs) now I'm just frustrated. (laughs) And it just, it it just goes in this like, ugh. and so you, you know, there needs to be the space to allow people to, to feel it number one and be able to process it and work through it. But then on the other side, there also has to be this place for if I am receiving something, I don't want to be told that I'm not supposed to be angry either because I not only got the, you're a woman, you're supposed to be demure and Mm -hmm. kind and Mm soft-spoken and smaller, but then there's the, you know, don't be the angry black woman. Right. And so it's like, well, if I'm angry, I'm black and I'm a woman, that can't go away. So where does that leave us? Like, I don't know what you want me to do. And so that doesn't mean that I walk around existing in an angry space at all times but if something happens and I'm angry about it you can't it is not up to you to decide to take that away from me and And I'm not willing to give it to you oh my god so I feel like that's one way that we can take away the fence of like Mm -hmm. your anger gets to be here and I Mm -hmm. I don't have to take it personally like we can hold space for this and it's okay right and I understand like I, I might not understand with all the nuance that you do of why you are angry but I can have some ideas like I can empathize mm-hmm. with that. Right. And not need to shift you out of it. Right. And that allows, it is because it's too easy that people don't want to allow others to feel their feels because yeah. it's uncomfortable for them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you oh centering gosh. your feelings. Ah, yes. Like, it's yes. like, no, no, that's not how this works. You know that no functioning relationship works well this way. Like yeah, that's no, dysfunction right? at its core. <laughs> yes. You can't feel it because I don't like it. Okay, that's awesome. I, that doesn't change anything. Right. So what would you like me to do with this? Like just Correct. cut this part of me off? I don't think so because then I wouldn't be whole and I wouldn't be me. So no, it's so true. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I would love to, to cover as we wrap up together is, you know, one of the things that I want my listeners to know is I, I think that we have a, a sacred responsibility to use our businesses for a bigger purpose in the world and to really use our businesses to be a voice for DEI. And part of that work is, I love that you talked about visual, verbal, and emotional when it comes to inclusion. I think that those are all so powerful for for all of us to think about. Like I'm even thinking about how I can be even better about all of those pieces. But I think one of the the components of all this is to not be afraid of, of voicing your beliefs and what you stand for and being vocal with talking about systems of oppression. Like just because you don't talk about them doesn't mean that they don't exist. And I think that there is something really powerful around bringing those topics into the room of acknowledging them. And that I think that's a really powerful way of using your privilege to do more good in the world, whether people hire you or not, because you're using your, your platform and your following to bring to have these conversations or even be talking about your own personal work of like what you're learning and what you're awakening to, right? Where I would like to leave our listeners is how they can work with you, how they can be learning more and leveraging your wisdom and your gifts to help them be a more vocal voice in the world. Absolutely. So I do one-on-one, I do group trainings within um, groups and masterminds, Facebook groups. I also do um, workshops. I have a workshop series uh, currently. It's actually DEI in your business. I have another workshop that is coming up this month. I have one more next month. I believe they are how to support women of color in business and how to be an imperfect ally. Yes. And I also, again, I have one-on-one spots. And what happens in a lot of cases with that is people will say, 
you know, I want to be able to have that quarterly check-in that does go over my visual and my verbal things, or I want to be able to go in once a month and just kind of check where I'm making all of these shifts. Um, I have a podcast, Pause on the Play, where we have really good conversations around what this looks like. And we help to give you some perspective because I think that's a really good place to start with your awareness. Yes. And so from there, you can, you know, kind of begin to feel empowered to have that conversation and we can decide, you know, is it bringing me into a group? Is it talking with me one-on-one? Is it um, attending a, a workshop because you really do enjoy that kind of group environment for your learning? Um, and for that, you would go over to my website, which is ericacorday.com. And I like having conversation. I generally do. So there is the, um, again, the, um, the podcast, but come on over to Instagram because I like for people to show up in my DMs and comment on things and be able to drop off some of those pieces of awareness or just takeaways that they're having. Because again, a big part of what you're doing is being able to show that this is possible. So you doing this, you don't know how many people you may have empowered to do the same. So simply showing up, doing the thing, not being afraid. I am absolutely here to not shame you. I am here for progress. I'm really easy to talk to, I promise. Yes. Hello. <laughs> we just had a <laughs> beautiful conversation. I'm so grateful yes. for. And you know what? I just have to say, like, I love, like, you've even, like, even just with your offerings, I can totally see the diversity in what you're putting out in the world, like making things super accessible with like a one-on-one option with groups, with these workshops, with your podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all there. So I just... I love women who are doing big work in the world, but also like practicing what they're, pre- what they preach. Right. Cause it's just such a beautiful moment of like integrity. And I think that that's just something that's so attractive to me. And Oh my gosh, I just appreciate you coming and having this conversation with me, Erica. I appreciate your wisdom so much. And thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me into the living room of your audience. Oh, yes. (laughs) And you guys, please go and check out Erica. All of her uh, links will be down in the show notes. And until next time, here is to the courage to show up braver in all ways for all people, whole heart, full self, all in. We got this.